All right. Oh, I like that slide. That's good. So it's the middle of the summer. We finished a series last week. Um, we're blessed to have Greg England. He's going to share with us next week. A little change up for us because you get tired of hearing me. So I thought we would do something a little different today. Now, if you're an airplane and if you're flying in a jet, an airplane, and the pilot comes on and says, I think we're going to try something new today. That's not a good word to hear. So hopefully when I say we're going to do something new here this morning, you're not like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Especially if you're new, it's like, okay, is this church what is going to do something really weird? Well, I want to, um, if you can put up that first slide there of the message series, um, the uh, question I have, the thing I want to do has to do with uh, reason for hope. And with reason for hope, it comes from this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. You're familiar with this verse? This verse has been uh, used in, in different kinds of dimensions to give a challenge, um, but I want to use this verse to launch us into a Q&A. It's not a stump the pastor kind of moment, but I suppose if you want to try that and I can be embarrassed, we'll do it. What question about the Christian faith or about God or the existence of God do you have? What question do you have about the Christian faith what question do you have about God or the existence of God do you have? So what you need to do is reach now, now in front of you. I want you to pull out the Connect card. Everybody get a Connect card, even if you already filled out the regular one. And then on the back, I want you to take this pen. And it's not like Jeopardy where the music's going to go so you can write the answer or the question for the answer kind of thing. I want you... Um, to, I guess that's what they do do. They write the question. I'm not going to show answers, though, right? So I want you to write a question that you've always wanted to ask. Now, you're going to be asking it, yes, in this environment to me. But I want you to do some soul searching. What have you wrestled with concerning the Christian faith? In your personal life, your doubt about faith, your doubt about God, Jesus, whatever... What question do you wrestle with? And you don't need to fill up the whole card. It can just be a simple few um, words if you want. All right? So Josh is going to put some music on. You're going to have a couple minutes to write your question. And you can come and bring it up here. If you don't want to write and you want to text it to me, I'll take a text too. But you're going to have to listen real quick to the phone number. 317-523-5700. Now everybody's going to be calling me during the week. 317-523-5700. Text, write your question. you got a couple, three minutes, and we're just going to spend time camped on this. Be still and 
How are we doing on those? This is what I'm going to have you do. If I can have uh, the people there at the back take the baskets, Mike and Mike, if you guys can grab those baskets and just go pass them down through the rows here. And then I'll collect them, we'll mix them up, and we'll take a few of them. And we'll see where it all goes from here. Now here's my question to you. Are you afraid when somebody asks you a question about the faith? Your personal faith? Maybe it's something that they're bothered by in the world that blame Christians for, all right? Do you have trepidation to be able to do what this verse says? Because here's the deal. Yes, we as a church minister in this valley, we've ministered in this location, and we are getting ready by God's grace to move to another location to minister in the fall. But it's not about the building. It's not about the program. It's not about the pastor or the leadership. It's about people that need Lord Jesus Christ, that need his amazing grace, that need to understand that he is relentless in pursuing them to be in relationship with them. And guess who God uses? God uses you and me. You are out in... What the scripture of old refers to as the highways and the byways of life. You have contact with people. There's people that, that are floating through your uh, relational networks right now that uh, I was mentioning it to somebody this week. The only Bible they will ever read is you. Now, that can excite you. It can also scare you. But scripture teaches us that we need to be prepared to give a reason to everyone for the hope that rests within us. And we finish up this morning, we'll see that that's not that overbearing of a thing. But I know what makes people hesitant sometimes to share their faith is you're worried that somebody's going to ask a question and you don't know how to answer it. Now, some of you like that challenge, like, hey, bring it on. Others like, I don't know, what would I say? All right? We as a body need to equip ourselves as we move towards the fall to be Christ's ambassadors for his good news. And for his gospel. Not only here, but also around the world. I'm going to have our friend Amanda Clementi stand up. Woo-hoo! Speaking of being ambassadors for Christ, uh, you've made a decision and some cool things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to be happening in your life, Amanda? So I have joined the CMA Young Adults Missions Group which some of you know is called the uh, Envision. And they send people like me all over the world. There are like 600 of them in all these countries doing incredible things. And I connected with some people about 
going on missions and doing things like that. And uh, I got quickly plugged in with the people in France. They help young adults. They work, um, they have a church next to a college. And so young adults move there from all over the world. And they, um, we have a coffee shop right in front of the um, church that serves coffee for free. So they come and meet them. So I connected with the people in France and they told me, you know, your job is to make coffee, but to really build relationships with these people. And they're giving me a place to live, a, everything I need. Um, I have to raise the money for it, but when I get there, it'll all be taken care of. And I will be there for about nine weeks. So a little over two months and I will be serving coffee and building relationships and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through a world that's pretty lost in it. Um, a lot of young adults like myself moved there trying to find something that they didn't find. And it's actually for the city of lights. It's pretty dark is what they said. So, um, but they're, I'm going to a couple trainings over the next few months. They're going to send me to, and then in January, right after the holidays, I'm set to go. So <laughs> oh, that excites my soul. It should excite your soul too. We're on mission. The Awakening Church. To enable people to become fully alive in Christ. And to his mission. Local mission. Regional mission. Global mission. And uh, this verse applies to that in all those dimensions. Friends, you filled up this basket. This is a little scary. Just want you to know that. Are we going through? What I want to do is, is I'm just going to read a few of these. All right? Just for, because um, you're all curious. What's everybody asking, right? And then I'm going to pick the easy one. No. <laughs> so here we run with things. How do I know God is real? Why doesn't God have the will to keep us on the right path always? What made the devil turn evil? Why does God punish, take and punish those who believe? What does God say about physical healing and why do some people not get healed? Oh, there's a second one there. Does God ever get tired of this generation's sin? Why? I can't quite read that for a second. Why do we humanize God with human emotions such as hate and jealousy? Why did God make my life so hard? Why does God let tragic events take place in this world? Is God selfish because he wants our love and obedience? When do I know when God is answering a prayer or a question I have prayed on? This is sort of good. I like this. How to fully trust God with your whole heart. How to fully give over all of your fears, your worries. I see bad things, death, happen to Christians. He tells us not to be afraid, do not fear, but how do you fully let go? Why do bad things happen to good people? Should I take everything in the Bible literally? People always tell me, God told me to. How do you know? God is telling you. And it's not just your will. Why do we ask and pray or thank God for good things that happen to us? When good things still happen to people that don't pray or believe in God. 
Why would God allow so much trauma and abuse to children and their deficiencies? I'm just going to keep reading them all. You like these? Does God forgive all sins? How do you know your God is the only real God? At what point does the line between pleasure and temptation become a distraction from God? And why is it so easy to fall into even when we focus on God? Knowing my children, 28, 30, 38 years of age, have a strong, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, why is it that the church always has a click in the church? What is the best way to truly forgive those who wrong you? I think about the people in third world countries and wonder if God gives them the opportunity to come to know him, even if they never heard of him. Does everyone get an opportunity to know God? And if they don't, how is that fair? Good question. In biblical times, Jesus did miracles in front of crowds of people. But why nothing since Bible times? What is God's plan for me in ministry? Why did God expect or require sacrifices? Prove the existence of God. With the prevalence of many different gods in nearly every current culture, that all believe that their God is true. God, how do you know that Yahweh is the true God, that this is the true faith? Why is uh, there war in heaven? For we wrestle against powers of darkness and principalities. Is the judgment the same for people who have heard the gospel and don't receive Christ and those who have never heard the gospel? Why does God let things happen? And how can I get through these things? Do we really have free will if God knows all things? Because it's his plan. If so, why did he give us free will? When will we be able to go to church in the new church? That's, that's not like that question. That's, that's why we just pray for that permit, man. What's going to happen when we go to heaven? What question? Oh, that was the question. Why does God love me? Why do Christians view Catholics as not being Christians? Well, some say that. If someone accepts the Lord and then is later in life becomes an atheist, are they still saved? Good question. I think I had some of these around here. Why do Christians exclude and judge others even if they believe? Should we pursue having a private prayer language? I wrestle with hope for eternity in heaven for all of my people on salvation prayer list. How do I find hope and peace over grief for so many who are so far away? Why do I have to beg in prayer? 
ask once and done. Why do I pray so much with nothing ever mostly happening? At least that's what I think. My mom had Alzheimer's, and I truly believed, fasted and prayed he would heal her, take, uh, be healed her by taking her home. He healed her by taking her home. What is the great way to bring a person that I care about back to Christ? Where do the dinosaurs fit into the equation? wasn't filled out all right i thought we'd just divide these up and just uh give an assignment today you sort of come back next week what do you think this is what i'd first of all like to say thanks for asking the question you're normal and you probably could have filled up a card full of them your friends your co-workers your neighbors your family members people you haven't met that you might meet even this very week are individuals who have questions just like you have questions. Now, we don't have to be the Bible answer man, but we are exhorted to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. Are you prepared to give that? Now, this statement here is oftentimes taken for evangelism, and it can appropriately be done so, to share the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ. Many times it's taken for apologetics, which is the word that comes from apologia, which means a defense for the faith. And some of those questions that are right there, and maybe we'll take a stab at, are questions that are very legitimate um, to be able to defend the faith and give a reasonable answer for that. Sometimes there's questions that have to deal uh, with uh, very personal issues that are going on. But the aspect of this verse, to give a hope for the reason, answer for the hope that is within you. Don't get hung up that you have to be some great evangelist, some great apologist to defend the faith and answer every question that comes your way. Because many times there aren't answers in that regards. Don't worry that you have to become some philosophical person or some great historical person to be able to give the answer. You just need to be you. But in being you, you shouldn't be sitting around and not pursuing an understanding of the questions that are part of your inner being. There's a lot of fanning of people to sleep, fanning of Christians to sleep. Oh, just believe or forget that God has placed within you a hunger to know. And you can spend your whole life as a believer. Some of the smartest, sharpest Christians I know are still in their 70s, 80s, and they're pursuing answers to the questions of truth. Because God's given us a mind. Scripture says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And many times questions have to be answered or at least neutralized in some level in order for the Spirit of God to work in another person's life and in your life. So don't shun them and seek to become equipped to be able to answer them. All right? So that was a little bit of a a trial run with some of these questions. Now, and those may be your questions. And so I'm just going to have you now verbalize a question out loud and I'm going to see how well I do in trying to
to answer your question. So it may be very well one of these that you wrote. So who wants to stand up and give a shot at the pastor to see if he's able to give an answer for the hope that's within him? What questions burning on your heart? Because I need to prioritize these somehow, and I'd rather prioritize it by something that's maybe really prominent. To stand up and ask your question. This is Jace. I'll give you a mic. Now everybody's really scared. So I made the decision not too long ago to uh, accept Christ. But how do I know? How am I 100% sure? There's times where I sit and I'm like, you know, I, I, I feel like I made that decision. But sometimes I'll make dumb choices and I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have done that, am I? I saved. I'm sorry. Did I do that right? You know, how do you know? That's great, Jace. Thanks. How many of you have ever had that question? How do I know that I know? I, I made a commitment. I crossed a line of faith. Am I in or not? You know, I was a part of a church, and it's a great opportunity to be able to do it where there's really ministry time afterwards. And our new facilities, they may be going to give us some of that more ministry time afterwards where you'd have altar calls, people that would come, and they would commit their lives to Christ at front at the end of the service. And some people I would watch as a young kid, and they would go down quite regularly. And I'm like, why didn't that stick? Or what happened this week that they don't think that they're saved? But then I started to wrestle in my own life. How do I know that I know? What's called the assurance of salvation. In scriptures, the Gospel of John, and I encourage people always to go to Gospel of John and just read. Read about Jesus Christ. Read the Gospel of John. Understand his life, the way of salvation. But John, at the end, he writes this. He says, these things I have written that you may know that you have eternal life. And by believing in his name, the hunger to have assurance of salvation has been true for all ages. This is what I would say in direct response to that the most, and we've journeyed a little bit together. Uh, Jace, uh, agnostic when we first had our first lunch together, right? About a year ago. And um, so many times we believe our salvation, we can sing about God's amazing grace, but then we start to reflect on what we did in order to get our salvation. I I came to a place of believing in God. And then I ended up surrendering my life to God, I think, and I, I repented my sin and I invited Jesus in my life. And everything starts to be focused on what you did. You need to understand this. Scripture says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father bids and draws him. Jesus Christ, God's Son, God himself, he left his throne in heaven. He came to us. It's not about what we do, but about what he's done. Big difference. Just add N and E. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And so when you cross the line of making a commitment to be a Christ follower, you are believing in God's grace and what he's done for you. So I can have a really bad week. I can stumble and fall, and when you're a new believer and following Jesus Christ, you stumble and fall like a little kid trying to learn to walk. But no time do you see that mom or that dad go, silly little kid, get back up. I can't believe you don't walk anymore. No. You go, buddy, all right? Come on, man, you can make it. 
God as our loving heavenly father is working on your behalf. And so even when you fall and you stumble straight on your face, you may sin some hideous sins or fall back. It's not about what you do and do not do. It's about what he's done. Now, here's the question, though. The question is, have you rested upon fully your faith in Christ to be a Christ follower? Because once you do that and Christ comes into your life, you want to please your father. You don't want to be returning to all those old ways. But you don't grow up and walk boldly overnight. It's a journey. One of the things I did, and I encourage, there's, um, you know, Joe mentioned that 11 people made commitments to Christ uh, at student camp. That's great. I struggled with my salvation for a period of time because I never publicly acknowledged him. I prayed in private, but I never publicly acknowledged him. I never got baptized. I never went forward. It was actually a few years after I made a public, uh, that I uh, committed my life to follow Jesus, that I made a public declaration. Jesus said, if you're afraid of me, my truth and my words in this adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you kind of idea. It's like you need to be able to be public about it. doesn't mean you need to stand up and grab a microphone and talk fluently like Amanda did over here about what God's doing in your life. But you need to acknowledge that. And I had never done that. So I w- was at a concert once by a guy singing, and they gave an invitation. And I remember I was with a youth group. I'd never gone forward. I'm like, if I get up now, they're going to say, oh, I thought Kerry was already Christian. What's he doing going forward? I knew I needed to do that. I wasn't baptized till a number of years after I was a believer. I should have done that earlier. But I began making steps to give public acknowledgement of my faith. I remember going home after that concert and opening up the big booklet they gave me. And I wrote down on this date, if not before, I committed my life to follow Jesus Christ. So get behind me, Satan. And I put that John verse down. These things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life. But I did some of those things because on a pragmatic level, it helped me to be able to give declaration. But in general, it's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And so you're resting on his saving grace, not upon stacking up a bunch of good works. Help a little bit? Someone else, another question. Give name, give question. Roy is my name, and um, what does God feel about uh, physical healing, and uh, how come some people don't get healed? That's very good, because there's some people here in this room right now going, I need that answer, right? You're feeling that way. Well, we know from Scripture that one of God's names is Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. And if the God who created us in our mother's wombs is as powerful to make a creation, he can heal and recreate that which is broken. So God is not without the power to be able to heal. Scriptures teach us forthright in James it says uh, that if there's anyone sick, to bring together spiritual leaders and anoint them with oil and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So we know throughout Scripture that to be able to pray for healing is something we need to be obedient to doing. In fact, as part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Envision team that uh, Amanda's going on, central to our belief that Jesus Christ is our Savior, He's our sanctifier, He's our healer, and He's our coming King. So we should never stray far from believing in Jesus' healing. 
But a lot of times we focus just on physical healing. But there's also emotional healing, brokenness, scars, PTSD, you you name it, addictions. There's healing in that regard. And there's also spiritual and relational healing. So I don't limit the healing to just the physical healing, but the big picture healing. And I think one of the most powerful healings that can happen and the most important is for a person to be transformed with their inner soul, to be what's called born again. And Jesus was adamant about that. And everyone can be born again. And the healing starts there. Why do people not receive physical healing? Sometimes we don't pray effectively because we're embarrassed if God doesn't come through. Never be that way. Be bold. Scripture says that by his stripes that we are healed. His stripes on the cross. It says that in Isaiah. And that we can pray boldly because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. But when he does not heal, I step back and I say, God must know something I don't know. I'm limited. In fact, Jason and I were talking about this early on. We have these ant-sized little bodies and brains trying to understand the infinite. Or think of a, an animal trying to understand a human being. God's ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And so sometimes I pause on that. But never do I shy away from the healing aspect and believing that he heals. Sometimes when we pray, God says, not now. Sometimes he says, you're praying for the wrong reason. Sometimes he says, you know, I got this. Everything's good. And he comes through. But I defer to him. But in deferring to him, I never shy away from being bold. In fact, um, where's... She's back from the East Coast. Juliana, where's she at? There she is. Some of you guys know the Manos. And Juliana's here today. Thanks for being back. And uh, her dad sent me a text from Washington, D.C. What was that, a couple months ago now or whatever? And they had a newborn baby, and the baby's not doing well. There's some type of issues going on with it. And he just like, can you just pray? and get other people to pray. And many of you in this room prayed for that little baby, Gabe, right? And um, because he was up all night and he had, we won't go into it, but when I pray for the healing, Lord, you intervene in that little Gabe baby's life and you change whatever is wrong, this newborn infant, and you make it right and you give the family strength and mom and dad. And Gabe's doing better, right? Doing pretty good. That's great. But it's that kind of thing we need to pray, Roy. Thanks for bringing that up. Someone else? Question. You already wrote one down, so don't feel too bad about standing up with it. I go all the way back to Janelle. I'm trying to formulate this question so it makes sense. But because you made a statement that parents don't, if you fall and stumble, um, They automatically say, oh, silly, you can get up. What if you didn't have parents who did that so you don't know that God is a good father? So how do you trust that he wants good for your life? And in conjunction with that, why did he allow that to happen if he is a good father? Because, yeah, there you go. Wow, who wants to take that one on? (laughs) Tucker's over here, you like taking that one on? Yeah, I was uh, interacting with somebody this week 
about their life. They said at the age of 13, they were living uh, with some other siblings, uh, relatives, not in a household. And I thought, how sad, because some of the joy of being able to look back on my childhood is to know I had a loving heavenly fa- I mean, loving father and mother, and that helped define my image of who the Heavenly Father is. I don't know how to answer that other than to say that we do live in a broken and sinful world, and there are consequences of brokenness and people's disobedience of life. And the sins from one generation do end up getting passed down to the other generations. But thankfully, in the midst of all of it, God is steadfast with his love, and he's never disappointing. And though we may not fully understand why do these things happen to us, when you turn to him, you have to correct and understand the idea of a healthy, awesome father. When I think in terms of the concept of God, I think to myself, well, God would be the greatest, most supreme, powerful, incredible person, having no evil sides, no sin sides. I can try to comprehend a being so great. Well, if I can try to comprehend that, I may not believe this, but I believe it to be true that God would not be the greatest of all kinds of beings, eternal being, never created. And in that God is the heart that I would want to see in a parent if I never had one. And in that heart is a love and a compassion and an identity with me that I would want to have, I, I, if I can comprehend it, it would need to be there. And so you will never grow weary or empty in comprehending God's love. Then it's a matter of climbing into that relationship and letting him unpack and unfold the beauty of who he is as a person. But if you shun God, if you turn from God, if you don't believe in God, if you keep pushing him away, you will never discover those fatherly aspects and qualities of who he is and caring. And you need to know this, and I think a lot of us have brokenness in here. Many of you have some deep brokenness, and you would cry out and you would say, where was God when? You need to know this. It's a journey my wife has gone through in her life because of a lack of a father, loving father for a season in her life. He was right there with you in the brokenness. When you were in that mud puddle, he wasn't too far away. And one of the things you can do in healthy healing of past and memories is to reflect back on that and even pray, God, where were you? And I believe Jesus will show that he was right there with you. And that begins this relationship and this journey with healing of some of those scars and those wounds. You are not without someone who knows your deepest pain and your hurt? That's a great question. I know it's not a very adequate answer, but um, those are real. Pastor, can, can, I, can I add on that? Because I know that the Lord says um, we all go through trials and tribulations, but also connecting in the church. You have your brothers and sisters that edify you and support you, and in Bible study, you have to remember that. That's real close. Brothers and sisters, your children, you're teaching your children to pray for you. So it edifies you. I mean, there's a lot of brothers that I have here and sisters that have prayed for me and have gone through situations through father's death, through kids growing up in college. So it's real important to get connected in the church and in Bible study. Uh-oh. My wife's going to help answer for me. Okay. 
it's actually kind of hard for Carrie to answer that question because he hasn't experienced it. Um, but I, I won't just direct it to you, Janelle, because <laughs> um, this affects a lot of people. Um, Carrie's right. You have to ask God, where were you when I was lonely? Where were you when I was being hurt? And uh, he, he will show you. It takes a process, it's, and it's been a process over my lifetime. Um, and the, the thing that I want to encourage you about, though, when we were at church camp um, with my little kids um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the elementary kiddos, one of the things the speaker said and taught the children was, um, hurt people hurt people. And our goal as parents, we don't want to hurt our kiddos. But you have an opportunity to change the trajectory of your family's life, and you have. And um, I know that to be true of my family as well. My kids have not experienced the pain that I'd experienced because I chose to turn from the sin of my family of generations and look to Jesus and follow him. So just know that if you're, if you're doubting uh, who God is and if he is a healing God, he absolutely positively is. All right. I'm going I'm to have to give it up to another question and we'll go that direction for now we could park there for a long time but it sort of is evident that kind of question you guys just need to understand as, as your pastor and your friend leading us as a body and leading us through pretty significant transition here in the next few months it's for the sake of questions like that it's about the healing of brokenness. You know, I was once recently told by a missionary that, uh, you know, it's sort of challenging to tell people that they're lost, that they're sinners, that if they died without Christ in their life, they'd be, you know, eternally lost. They won't be in presence of God with heaven. So people have a hard time identifying with lostness. But if you start talking about brokenness, everybody can identify with brokenness. And it's not that we change the gospel and don't let people know, because we ourselves, if we're a believer, had to come to recognize that we're lost without Christ. But you start dealing with the brokenness, and the church will be full. Really dealing with brokenness and seeing healing. And that's our trajectory as we continue to grow as a body. So thanks for the endearment of that question and the ownership of it for us as a team. Um, should I try one more question here? All right, one more question. Who's going to go with it? Somebody's going to stand up and do the dinosaur question, I know. <laughs> no dinosaurs. My question was the one about struggling with hope for the people on my unsaved list because that's where my biggest struggle is. You know, what hope is there when you don't see any any emotion or any movement or any interest in either knowing God. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, do, do you guys know who Dennis Prager is? Some of you listen to him. And um, I was listening to uh, a Q&A that Dennis Prager and Ravi Zacharias was doing with people and somebody stood and, and asked some question. Uh, I don't know if it's directly regard to this, but the question was, is, is there a chance that this would happen? And... Um, he had the guy look at him. It must have been some chance about restoring a car or something or whatever. He goes, there's a chance, but 
but there's no hope. In other words, there's this idea, yeah, God could come through, and not the car thing, but something that God could come through, but the idea that God could and the subject of hope sometimes are two separate things, and it wanes with us. Hope is the evidence of things not yet seen, and um, but that are true. And so the hope for those who we pray for um, has to be something that we, again, come back and rest on what Christ has done and what he is doing and trying to pursue them. No one comes to the Father except the Father, the Lord draws them. Jesus is at work in those people who are even farthest from you. In fact, if you're here this morning and you like are way far from God and you're thinking like, God can't change my life and oh my goodness, you just need to know this. He's a loving heavenly father. He's the hound of heaven. He's on your trail and he'll continue to pursue you because he loves you. It's not our job to save you, to turn your life around, but Jesus can if you want him to. But you have to make that choice to make the turn. And so my hope as I pray for people who don't know God or have a relationship with Jesus rests upon the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit of God is doing and bringing that person to faith. And sometimes I have to pray, Lord, you let them go deep in the pit. Corey Ten Boom, who was in Nazi prison camps, she has the statement, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And sometimes when they even get deeper and deeper in the pit, there's things going on in their lives of brokenness, even points them to the place of suicide and other kinds of scary, scary things. You need to know for those people you're praying for, or even if you're in that situation here this morning, there is no pit so deep that God's not deeper still. He can be reached even in the deepest pit because he's pursuing you with his love and he wants to reveal that love. And so my hope is, as I struggle and continuing to pray or whoever for like Jennifer's questions, continuing to pray for individuals needs to rest on the relentless love of God, like we sing about and his pursuit of them. And sometimes we need to back away. Sometimes we just need to be doing the prayer. Sometimes we do need to give an answer to the hope that's within us. But the last part of that verse, but do this with gentleness and respect. Many times it's that that wins people over more than all the answers to their questions. The demeanor, the way that you go about it, and how you love people. I want to walk us, thanks for doing that exercise. Did you enjoy doing that? I mean, do that again. It's like, oh, time's by. What are we going to do? Um, I want to finish out this verse with just some highlights that are also in First Peter. Because First Peter was written to Jewish and Gentile Christians who are under persecution. And so when he says this statement, he's talking to people that are under duress in their Christian faith. And what does he fully mean by the hope issue? If you look at this, the reason for the hope is setting apart Christ as Lord. You want hope? Then you need to establish Jesus as Lord and place him in that position in your life because that's where your hope will come from. The reason for your hope is found in setting apart Christ as Lord and that he is holy. In 1 Peter 1, 20, 21, it says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, referring to Jesus, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God. Your hope in Jesus Christ is this truth. He came. 
1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The guy's referring back, uh, Peter is referring back to that Isaiah passage that I just mentioned when Roy's question was. He died. 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He not only died, he rose from the dead. 1 Peter 3.21, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers that are in submission to him, he reigns. All creation, seen and unseen, is underneath his authority. He reigns supreme. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. He returns. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. And lastly, 1 Peter 1.6.7, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The trials that we have, God's using them to work towards the good, to make you like his son, Jesus Christ, so that you may give praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Why do some of our sufferings, even physical ailments, not go away? Somehow in the midst of that, he's not a sadistic kind of God, but in pain and suffering and in brokenness, which we live in a broken world until Jesus Christ returns, is able to develop within us beautiful things. All things are working for the good. So we come back to the verse. The reason for our hope, Christ is Lord, is our hope. He came, he died, he rose, he reigns, he returns. We are always with God, and all things are working for our good. When you're exhorted to give an answer for the hope that's within you, you don't have to be a great evangelist. You don't have to be a philosophical person with great apologetic skills and historical understanding and contemplating abilities and wit. You just have to be a simple witness. And that's what Peter was challenging those persecuted Christians in his day. And your witness is simply this witness, that in your life you have set Jesus Christ aside, uh, uh, that you have set him apart as Lord of your life. And that you attest to these things. He came. The eternal God came in the flesh in Jesus Christ to be near us. He died on a cruel cross for our sins. He rose from the grave, breaking the power of sin. And whatever stranglehold or addiction or chains are on your life, he broke them when he rose from the grave. It's possible for you. And then he reigns. Right now he reigns supreme. There's no sweat on his brow. There's no worry. And he's going to return. But in all that truth, we also know that we are always with God and that we, in the midst of our trials, can look to him for its working to the good. 
you take your personal testimony, your witness of what Jesus is doing in your life, and just live it out in a real and authentic way. Show others your love with gentleness and respect. Our transition this fall will not work unless we become the ambassadors of Christ with the people that he's bringing across our paths. My prayer is for you that his relentless love that grabbed a hold of you will speak through your life to others. I'm going to ask the other.